I know some of you are wondering why in the world has he got an Alabama hat in the pulpit? All you Auburn people, pray through real quick. Pray through real quick. I've had the privilege of traveling to a lot of countries like Belize over the 40 years that my wife and I have been in ministry. It's a great privilege. I've been in probably 26, 27 countries. Almost every one of those trips, I wore a hat just like this. On my way there, while I was there, but rarely did I wear it on the way back. And the reason is, is because I did this on purpose to give either the missionary or the pastor of the church we were helping or maybe the construction foreman of some church we were building. I would leave my hat with them just as a, as a symbol for Alabama, not the team. It's just, it's just easy. A, Alabama. This is before there were 453,000 varieties of Alabama hats. This is when this was the only one. And so I would leave a hat with them just as a, a remembrance for our team from the state of Alabama. Because a lot of times, this was back in the day when most of the people we worked with, besides the missionaries, would never have the opportunity to come to America. And so it was just a little piece of America we could leave with them. Our piece of America, Alabama. And what I saw happen was, as I'm going through the airport with this hat on, I don't care if I was in Kenya, Africa, or Macedonia, or Bulgaria, or Kosovo, inevitably someone would pass me and go, roll tide. <laughs> and even if they didn't say roll tide, they would go, ah, you know. Florida, Florida State fan, Ohio State, whoever you named the team, wherever they were from, but they recognized it and they would speak to me just a blank stranger walking through an airport. They would stop and speak to me or they would, they would acknowledge me because of that. And can I tell you something? Every foreign airport or city that I was in where somebody recognized that, there was a feeling would come up in my heart, something that goes like this. They're one of my people. I'm in a nation where the culture is different. I'm in a nation where the language is different. I'm in a nation where most people don't even know anything about where I live. But when I ran into somebody randomly in the airport or in another country and they knew what that was, I had this instant feeling of belonging. Like, you know what I know. Alabama's the best, but you know, whatever your team is, no. But, but no, you're from America. You're American. That's what it said to me. And in a strange and foreign land, and if you've never been in another country, by the way, you need to get involved in one of these mission trips because it is an experience that will change your life. And one reason it will is this, is because all of a sudden you are not the majority anymore. You're on somebody else's turf working by their rules and subject to their desires in so many ways. But because of all of that, I would feel 
that connectedness when somebody would say roll tide or they would acknowledge uh, you're from Alabama. And there, but in my heart, it was like, I'm in a strange and foreign place, but I feel a little bit at home when you recognize that. That's the only reason I brought that up here. We're talking about connecting to our community today. Pastor Seth's going to come second today. Thirty, forty years ago, if you heard Lee Greenwood's song, I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. Just that line gets some of your patriotic bubbles going. Can I tell you? It's harder and harder to be a proud American these days. For me. May not be for you, but it is for me. As a matter of fact, it may be much easier for believers sitting in this house today. It may be much easier for you and me to talk about us and them. Us and them. Them meaning people that are not Christians, that are not in the church. Us and them. Because their values are so different. Their perspectives will never match up with ours. And if we aren't careful, we could begin to see every one outside Christ. Everyone that embraces the ways of this current culture, we can begin to see them as the enemy. Can I tell you, that's not what Jesus wants. I'm not saying you need to embrace somebody's political or or sexual orientation agendas or anything. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying this to you. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and dark forces and high places. We are not the enemies of anybody. We are the enemies of hell. We are the enemies of Satan. We are the enemies of everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But we are not enemies of people that are caught up in this culture and are being deceived and deluded and messed over. We're not their enemies. We're talking about connecting to the community today because here's the reality. Our community is our people. Our community is still our people. Even if they're not Christians, our community is our people. Say it, our people. Our people. Our people. When we're first saved particularly as an adult, we still have a lot of acquaintances and friends that are still unbelievers, right? But the longer we're Christians and the longer we're involved in church, the fewer unbelievers we know or have any relationship with. If you got saved as a teenager or an adult, say 15 years ago, probably you have very few non-believing or unchurched friends. Because the longer we're saved, the more we lose touch with unbelievers if we're not intentional about it. 
Now, for many of you, your job, you're rubbing shoulders with unbelievers all day, every day. I get that. But my question to you is, are you using that as a point of contact to show and share Jesus? And I, hey, I can, hear the, I can hear the wheels turning a lot of your head. Some of you work in, in, in certain environments that it's really risky to bring up religion at work. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. We lose touch, not just with unbelievers, but with how unbelievers think and feel and process reality. We forget the dark cloud that used to hover over our hearts. I just want to know, how many of you, he did this last week, but how many of you got saved, not as a child, but at least as a teenager and adult? You got saved after elementary school. A lot of you. I got saved at seven years old. I didn't have a whole lot of time to get all mixed up in wine, women, and song. I didn't have a lot of time to get in the gutter. I, that doesn't mean I never made mistakes. I made some serious mistakes that I still regret to this day. I'm just saying that I didn't end up in the slum or in the halfway house. or I mean, that, that's not my story. I've been in the church all my life. I think church. I speak church ease. I operate according to church values and, and church perspectives. I see the world through a Jesus, hopefully, or a church lens. It's hard for me to think like people that have never known Christ or never been part of a church. It's hard for me to think like they think. So we need the Spirit's help, I do, to relate. I need to hear their stories. I need to listen closely. I need help connecting. Here's the problem. If I can't feel their pain, hear me. If I can't feel their pain or hear their desperation, I risk losing any relevance to their lives. Did you hear what I said? If I can't feel their pain, if I can't sense their desperation and then try to understand, I become irrelevant. And the people that I lead to some degree can become much less relevant also. Here's the reality. We're part of the community we live in. We're part. We're not, I mean, we, we, we do something different on Sunday, but we still live in the neighborhood. We still shop at the same stores. We still go to the same ballpark. We have a lot of you, your kids are in the same schools. All of that. You work around, you work with other people. You're still in the community, even though you're different, even though you think different, even though you desire different, even though you speak different, you are still part of the community. And I'll just say this, the community matters. It matters. It's not just us hunker down inside the walls of this church. Let's just make sure we're okay and 
And I'm not trying to be perverse or vulgar, but I dare use this phrase. Let's just hunker down and protect us and let the rest of them go to hell. Can I tell you, we can't afford that because that's not the heart of Jesus. That is not the heart of Jesus. That is not the heart of Jesus. And I'm not saying any of you feel that way, but sometimes our actions can say that. I'm preaching to me as much as I am anybody because I am in a church bubble. I spend many hours every week interacting with you, not with them. And I have to be intentional just to try to develop a friendship or any kind with anybody that's not already a believer or in church. I'm working at it. So what does it mean we're part of this community? Well, uh, in Jeremiah 29, some of your, has the, some of your favorite verse in it. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. Remember that verse? Anybody remember that verse? Wave at, wave at me. Okay, in that same chapter, this is actually Jeremiah writing to the captives in Babylon who were violently kidnapped and exported to Babylon from Israel. Now they're living there and Jeremiah is writing them a letter to encourage them and he's basically telling them this, just settle down. God is not, regardless of what some of these false prophets say, you are not leaving Babylon for at least 70 years. So build houses, marry your kids off, go on with life, find you a job, settle down. And after he says all that, he says this, Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on his behalf. For in its welfare, you will have welfare. What's he saying? Be part of the community. Be part of the community. We're citizens of the same communities unbelievers are. And the welfare of our community will affect us whether we like it or not or invest in it or not. You hearing me? The welfare of our communities in this county will affect us whether we invest in them in this county or not. It will. It'll affect us. The crime, the addiction rates, the divorce rates, uh, the abuse rates, all of this stuff will eventually affect you. And the prophet Jeremiah is telling the people of Israel, listen, engage the community and be salt and light. Be salt and light in the community you live in. Pastor Seth's going to come here in just a minute and share what that might look like. Here's the reality. We're part of our community's problems either by participation or neglect. Hear me? We're part of our community's problem, whatever that might be, either by participation in that problem or by neglect. In other words, not doing anything about it. I'm not saying we can fix everything. Again, nobody can fix everything except God. Amen? I'm just going to say this. I've got to turn this over to Seth because I'm taking too much time. I'm used to preaching the whole time. And man, sharing with him, I've got, got to have to... I have to if we decide it isn't a problem until it affects us personally... 
We've failed Jesus. Listen to me. If we decide it, whatever the community problem is, it is not a problem until it affects me personally, I've failed Christ in my community. Well, nobody in my family is addicted. No, so you get a pass. Don't worry about addiction in the county. Nobody in my family is poor or homeless or hungry. Well, you get a pass. Don't pray about it. Don't do anything about it. Don't help anybody. Just you get a pass. You say, well, pastor, when you put it that way, it don't sound so good. No, it doesn't, does it? Our community, our county, I claim the county because we have people from Arab all the way to Boaz. We have people from almost Geraldine all the way to, you know, Bailington almost. I mean, we, we, we got people all over the county sitting right here. A few months ago, there was going to be a drag show at Legends in Albertville. Anybody remember that? There were attempts to uh, um, organize a protest and legal, legal maneuvers, I guess, prevented the protest. But we could still go there and pray. You know how many people of all the churches in Marshall County showed up to pray? You know how many people showed up to pray? Four. Four. So, but I don't, I don't have anybody in my family that's got sexual orientation issues. I don't have anybody that's gender, got gender dysphoria. I don't have anybody in my family that's struggling with homosexuality. Another man that lived in Babylon almost his entire life from teenage all the way up was Daniel. I'll tell you a few things about Daniel. Daniel is one of the only biblical characters that nothing negative was ever said or written. Daniel served with three different kings with distinction, honor, and never compromised his faith and impacted the, the largest kingdom in the world. And yet when he was beseeching heaven, when he was praying to God, Lord, when will you let us go back to our homeland? Here's how he prayed, Daniel 9.20, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. If you read the whole chapter of Daniel 9, you're going to hear him saying over and over, we have sinned, we have sinned, we have sinned. And the reality is, Daniel might have been the only one of the tens of thousands of exiles that hadn't sinned. I'm not saying he was perfect. I'm just saying he was an example of faith and fidelity. And when the angel responds to this prayer, you know what the angel calls him? Beloved, beloved, beloved. 
A special treasure to God you are, Daniel. My point is this, is Daniel owned the sins of his community. Daniel owned the sins of his people, even though he had really had not participated in those sins of idolatry and stubbornness and rebellion and willfulness and adultery and all the, all the things that, that the prophets had just nailed those people for and eventually let them be taken captive. So for, for discipline's sake, he really hadn't participated in that stuff. But he identified with the gaping wounds of his people. And he included himself and said, we have sinned. I just want to say this. We're either part of the, we're either part of the solution or we're part of the problem. I just want to ask you this question. If Lake City was removed from Gunnersville, would it make a difference? If this church disappeared after this service today, just disappeared, would we be missed by the citizens of this city and this county? You say, that's, that's a little unfair, Pastor. I'll let you and the Holy Spirit wrestle over it. I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling over it. And I'll make it even more personal. If you were to move out of your neighborhood tomorrow, would your neighborhood miss you? Some of you don't like me right now. I can see it. I can feel it. Seth's going to come and cheer you up. He's going to come and laugh and show you video, and he's going to give you some solutions. The title of today is Family Matters, uh, Reaching Our Community. Uh, and I want to say to you that we are part of the solution. We are part of the solution. If we're not, why do we even exist as Christians? We are part of every solution, right? We should be. So I want everybody to say this with me. I want everybody... I'm going to say the word, then we're going to do it together. I am the solution. That's right. One more time, everybody together. I am the solution. I want you to say that and really mean it. See, it's not someone else's problem. It's your problem. It's mine. And I, I honestly think in our Christian faith, deep down inside, sometimes we think God moves on our heart for somebody in our community, or he moves in our heart to do something about something bad that's going on around us. And we sit there sometimes and we're like scared because we're human. And, and there's some things that intimidate us and there's certain people that intimidate us to be around and things that just give us butterflies in our stomach. And we just sit and we tell God, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will. To which I say, like I said about Billy Graham last week, there are certain groups of people that only you can reach. That people like Billy Graham and all the TBN evangelists you've ever seen in your life and every, every single YouTube preacher, and every they will never ever, 
ever reach, and it's in your court, and it's up to you because you're the solution. And if you don't talk, then they won't hear. And if you don't talk, then they won't know. And if you don't live an example of God in front of them, nobody else will. Oh, somebody else. No. If God put it on your heart, then you're part of the solution. You're the answer. We must begin to own our communities. It can't be somebody else's problem all the time. It becomes our problem. It becomes our issue. Questions to affect change. Number one, am I always listening for the pain in my community? I want to go into this. I've been telling Pastor Gary this. This has been messing with me a lot. In the last two years, God's just really started moving in my heart no matter where I'm at. If I'm at home, if I'm in the grocery store, if I'm at the gas station, it I, I can't get away from it. And so what I've started to do is I've started to listen to what people are saying, realizing that God let me hear what they're saying because I'm the solution. And this happened to me this week. We're part of, we're part of the community solution and responsible for our part in it. This, this week, two things happened within a matter of minutes. One of my neighbors, he walks his dog every week. I'm not going to give names, but he walks his dog a few times a day. And he and my kids, they love him, and uh, they love to play with his dog. And so he's walking, and he stops, and he looks at me, and he said, I said, how are you doing, his name? And he said, I'm kind of having a hard day. So what happened? He said, my mom's in memory care, and today's the first day that she didn't remember me. And I've all, I'd hate to say this, but... I, you know, I've already gone through this before, and uh, I, my dad, he had Alzheimer's, and that's what he died from, and now I'm watching my mom go through it, and this is a guy in his 60s, and I said, can I pray for you? Do you think that was a coincidence? I pray for him. He walks on. A few minutes later, another neighbor gets in a car. I'm serious. This happens within like 20 minutes, and he takes off down the street, and he looks at me and says, Seth. My wife's been in a car accident. I'm sitting there. My kids are playing. This is not a spiritual moment. And I'm sitting in a chair, in a camping chair, watching my kids act a fool. It's great because I have a perfect life. <laughs> and he pulls up, and Josiah's trying to talk to me. I'm like, Josiah, this is really important. You need to be quiet for right now. <laughs> and he says, my wife's been in a car accident, and she got in a car accident a few years ago, and she's and, and they say they're going to release her and everything. Can I have your number? I said, yeah. He said, because I just let the dogs out, and I just want to know if maybe, I said, I, anything you need, we're here for you. I said, hey, can I pray for you? This is within 15 minutes of each other. He said, yeah. I start praying for him. I look up, tears coming down his eyes. He drives off. Here's the thing, guys. If you'll just listen for pain, it's there. This happens to me weekly. I just listen when somebody says, I have an ache or a pain or I'm going through this or I'm going through that. You know what? I'm the answer. 
It's not somebody else's issue. God, the king of the universe, stuck me in my neighborhood to be a minister, be a ministry to my neighbors. Whether I like them or not, I love my neighbors. <laughs> my neighbor, he his his daughter was sick during Christmas, and he said, I, she just won't get over it. I said, can I pray for you? He's like, yeah. So I prayed for him a few days at, during Christmas. He texts me at 1030 at night. We just got home. I just want you to know your prayers work. We made it through Christmas. I don't know what happened, but thank you for that. And I'm the solution. But see, if you always pawn it off, then you don't get to be caught part of that cool part of the puzzle. You don't get to hear those stories if you're not risking, if you're not brave enough, if you won't take a moment just to say, oh, I heard that. I'm going to do something about it. You and your power have no power, but he does. You serve the miracle maker. You serve the man of provision. You serve the one that does anything and everything that your neighbor needs. You're the answer. I do the same things at the school. I do the same things at the gas station. I listen for the pain and realize I'm part of the solution. Like pastor said in Jeremiah 29, pray for the welfare of the nation you dwell in, build houses, settle in it, be a beneficial part of your community. Jeremiah's telling them, hey, I know you don't like where I placed you right now. You don't like how the culture's acting but you're still a representative of me and I want you to make the most of this experience. You may not like our country. You may not like the things going on in it, but you are the agent of change that can do something about it. See, most of the time is we sit back and say, somebody else will fix it. No, they won't. You will. You're the answer. You're the solution. You're the reason. So number two, how do we make the best of where God's placed us? Number one, hear me out on this one. Be a responsible citizen. My parents have taught me this since I was 18 years old. There's an election coming up. I'm not telling you to vote for anybody, but this is what I'm saying. You better vote. You've been given a reason and an opportunity in this beautiful country where people have died and, and paid the ultimate price so you could. So you should. Every country doesn't get this. Most countries don't. No, they live under oppressive governments that don't even, nope, you're going to do what we say. Get over it. But you have an opportunity to go to a voting booth, which I do every single time, whether it's a primary or a local election. Why? Because if I don't voice my opinion, then nothing will ever change. You have to vote. Well, it won't make a change. Well, you don't know that. It might. And it's your response as a citizen of this government who gives you the opportunity to freely do it without being shot or bribed or killed for voting the way you don't want to, to do something about it. Secondly, be an intercessor. How many uh, and how often have you prayed for your neighbors? When's the last time you did pray for your neighbor? When's the last time you drove down your street or down through your block and you said, hey, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray. A few years ago, I, me and Sarah, we had a neighbor and I, we're walking the kids and he tells, I, I said, hey, it always ends with this question. How are you doing? 
Not so good. My wife just found out she has cancer. Oh, yeah? Can I pray for you? See how easy that was? You know what? Nobody's ever said no. You know what? They never threw anything at me. When somebody's in an urgent situation, you know what they need? A solution. Guess what you are? The solution. Guys, you're the answer. Are you praying for your neighbors? Are you praying for the people you work with? Are you praying for your neighborhood? Um, Are you a witness? Do you have a vision to reach your community? I'm talking about your neighborhood. By sharing the hope and the, uh, and the help of the gospel, we will have many opportunities in the next few weeks with Joe Phillips and a food giveaway Pastor Gary's going to talk about in a minute. You're the answer, but you got to realize God placed you in the community that you're in for this moment, for this time to make a difference. You're the answer. You hear me keep saying that? Who's the answer? You are. Third and, and final thing, do you use the opportunities, do you use your opportunities to engage others for him? For parents, uh, they will spend many more hours at gyms, ball fields, dance classes, swimming pools, horse stables. In those moments, are you sharing hope with the parents on your kids' teams or activities? Are you praying for them between practices or games? Are you looking for an opportunity to share hope, to invite them to the church? I was dropping my kid off at the preschool. I know you are thinking this is crazy. I'm dropping my kid off at preschool the other day. And one of the preschool teachers, he's not even my teacher, looks at me and said, will you pray for me? Yes. Let's pray right now. I didn't do anything. I wasn't on top of a desk preaching. She knew I was a minister. I'm the answer. Are you taking those opportunities? We aren't asking you to engage in church stuff seven days per week. We want you to be the salt and light out in your community, touching people one by one, because that is all our responsibility, to share and invite. Before... Uh, we ever do an outreach as a church group, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I an activist? Do you work for the general welfare of your community, even if it's not sponsored by the church? Are you part of the solution in practical as well as spiritual ways? Are you listening for the pain in your community? Are you telling yourself, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for that person. God has the answer for that. God can heal that person. God can provide for that person. God can save them from that mental health issue. I'm the answer. One more time. Everybody say it. I am the solution. One more time. I am the solution. There's a couple of people here I just want to recognize. I've never said this from the pulpit, I don't think, but um, I think they're here. They were here, one of them. We've got two ladies here that serve our community in a way you'd never guess. They're part of the rescue squad on the lake. Alicia is one of them. Jill Catanio is one, and they didn't ask me to say this. I just want to say thank you, ladies, for being part of the community. 
Samantha Logan right here. Powerful part of this community. Has sacrificed. And we actually get involved in our community a number of ways. We actually help room in the inn and Tanya and Scott, they, they, every month, they house homeless here and feed them hot meals and love them. And we're giving a tractor trailer load of food away on Saturday morning, March 9th. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three, oppor- three or four opportunities to engage your community. The first one, you've already prayed over the card. Invite somebody. Make sure they get here to hear Joe Phillips. Let me just tell you what he's going to do. He's going to have a jail cell set up here. We're going to have three people locked in those jails and he's going to tell his personal testimony and the abuse and the horrifying things he's been through and God's journey leading him out of that, learning to forgive and be set free, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a powerful moment. And then we're going to have some medicine Sunday night. Laughter does good like a medicine. But there's going to be an opportunity for people to come to know Jesus. So get somebody here. That's, that's the first opportunity. Second opportunity is this. There's a sign up on that board out there. Same place where you signed up for life groups. For you just to come out and help us unbox and bag up food and put it in cars as they drive by. We're going to meet at Claysville School across the river bridge on the other side over there on the right side. We're going to give away a tractor trailer load of food to those that are food insecure is the way we say it these days. You don't need any skills. You don't have to have a strong back. We need you. We need at least 20 volunteers. And I'm going to tell you this, you can't lean on the young people this time. They're going to a youth convention that same weekend. Adults, it's up to us. I dare you to sign that list out there and show up that morning. Here's one final way. And I, I have to be honest with you. I believe, I believe in you. you. You've always rallied to things, opportunities we've given you to reach out to our community. And I, I'm confident you're going to fill that list up out there. But I've, been, I've had an app on my computer for quite a while now. It's called Bless Every Home. And there's a, there's a slide for this. I just want you to put that up there. Bless Every Home. Bless Every Home has the names and addresses of 40 neighbors that surround you. You can get this on your phone or you can get it from the website on your computer. Every day or every week, I get a list of five names of my neighbors and their address so that I can pray for them. And when I pray for them, I hit prayed and it counts up how many times I've prayed for my neighbors. And there's opportunities to do other things with this app, but that's the only part of it I've ever used. I'm challenging you. Load this app on your phone or put it on your computer and begin to simply pray for those 40 nearest neighbors five at a time. And a lot of times I have to be honest with you. I just say, Lord... Bring them to you. Lord, bring Jeannie and Joni to you. Lord, I just pray if they're struggling with anything right now, turn their hearts to you, that family. You say, does that really make a difference? 
Do we believe God answers prayer? The beginning point to reach your neighbor is praying for them. And I can promise you, Pastor Seth was praying for those neighbors that he had those encounters with long before they ever stopped and told him their problem. You are the solution. You are the intercessor. And I'm just going to say one more thing and we're going to pray. You may be the only one in this world praying for that neighbor by name. Most of you sitting here, somebody prays for you on a regular basis. You say, how do you know that? Because I do. I'm not bragging. I just, I just want you to know. I believe God answers prayer. Amen. And the beginning point for making any difference in any individual, your neighbor, or this community, or this nation, or this church, or your family, always the first step is prayer. So I want you to stand with me right now. It's time that we just quit listening to sermons and say, yeah, amen, and then walk out and forget what we said amen to. Those days need to be over. They need to be over for me. They need to be over for you. It's action time, folks. The days are late. It's urgent. And the stakes are really high. Stakes are really high. I am the solution. And if I am, I've got a limited amount of time and opportunity to do what God can empower me to do. And it's time. It's time. Say it with me. It's time. It's time for me. If you're standing among us today or you're online and you've never surrendered your heart to Christ, you've never come to the realization I'm a sinner I need a savior and I can't save myself so Lord I put myself in your care and control and I ask you take my sin away and give me eternal life and lead me and be my Lord and savior I will turn away from my ways and I'll turn to you I will quit depending on my efforts I will depend on you I'll quit trusting my genius and my ideas and I will trust you. If you've not ever done that, but you want to do that, He's ready to save you from your sin and give you life. Anybody here? I'm not asking you by your head. That's you and you've not done that, I, I, and, but you want to. I want to talk to you as soon as we say amen while everybody else is getting in the chili bowl line. You're going to get in the eternal life line. Anybody? I'm looking. I can't see with these. Anybody? Okay. You know what that means? It means you need to bring somebody with you next, next Sunday that is not a believer. That doesn't go to church anywhere. You, you need to offer to pick them up and bring them here next week. My prayer is that we'll never go another service without somebody being born again. We'll never go another month without having to have a baptism. That's only going to happen if you listen to Pastor Seth today and say, I am the solution. I'm God's partner. 
I'm, I'm the mouthpiece. I'm the hands of Jesus. I'm the heart. I'm the eyes of Jesus. I'm the ears of Jesus. And I'm listening for the pain all around me. And I am ready to at least offer to pray. If you're willing to take at least one of these steps today, either signing up for this prayer app or signing up to help with the food or doing your best to bring someone here next week, you're willing to take one of those steps. I just want you to raise your hand right now. Raise it up for me and God and everybody. Come on. I'm watching. God's watching though more than me. It don't matter. I'll forget who's got their hands raised. Let's ask him to help us. Father, empower us. Empower us to be that solution. Empower us with courage, with boldness, with faith that does offer to pray for every bit of pain that we hear expressed around us. Give us eyes to see. Help us be looking. Help us be listening. Help us intentionally develop relationships with those that are not believers. God, not to hang out and become like them, but Lord, to expose them to the love and truth of Jesus. God, motivate everyone in this room to begin praying for their closest neighbors by name regularly. And we thank you in advance. We believe people are going to be brought to Jesus and born again in the coming month of March. And if you'll agree with me in that prayer, would you say amen?